Uh, one of the, the most emotional experiences of my life was uh, a few years ago when Olga and I had the privilege of visiting Israel and then went into the Garden of Gethsemane. It was like a holy place uh, where we wanted to tread very carefully and we took some time to sit down uh, quietly there. But this was also the place where something extremely surprising and very decisive happened. You see, up to now, Jesus was in total control of every situation. There's one other big struggle that we know of in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil tempted him three times in the desert. And three times Jesus was in total control, saying, it is written. And every time referring to the word of God to defeat the temptations of Satan. When expensive perfume was poured out over his head by a woman, he says in Matthew 26, verse 12, she did it to prepare me for burial. In total control of the situation. He is master of the situation when he have to make preparations for the Passover. And we all read it in Matthew 26. Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. He knew it. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at their house. Just a little bit further in Matthew 26, we read that he knew that Judas would betray him. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And when they had the Passover, he gave a new meaning to the Passover. He says, when he took the bread, he says, this is my body. And when he took the cup, he says, this is my blood to forgive the sins of many. In control, knowing what is going to happen. And he says that he, the shepherd, would be killed. In verse 31, tonight all of you will desert me. God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Just a few verses further, he predicts that Peter would deny him. I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. In control. And now, the calm shepherd is sweating, suffering, and struggling. Three times he prays that God should take away this cup of suffering 
Luke describes his mood in a little bit more detail. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Here we see a struggling Jesus. Not someone who is in control. You may feel that Jesus is falling apart here. This story of his suffering in Gethsemane is just one perspective on the suffering of Jesus. We know that his whole life was suffering. Philippians speaks about his becoming a human being, his self-denial, becoming like a slave unto death. But in the Gospel of Matthew, we see how things change slowly but certainly. First, we see that the people who are in control, the religious leaders, start to reject him. And then we see how the crowds turn on him. Here is a drama of resistance and rejection, betrayal, denial. And Matthew 26 verse 39, he struggles with the cup that he must empty. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. This cup, this cup is the cup of God's wrath. It's a metaphor of suffering and death, what he would soon face. Someone writes, Jesus is filled with dread. Perhaps Jesus faces the fear of death. But dying as the bearer of sin and thus as one who experiences the consequent wrath of God. Thus Jesus tells Peter, James and John that his sorrow is so great that he is hardly able to bear it. One is tempted to ask, will Jesus make it? It seems as if he's looking for a way out. Will he make it? Here we see the true humanity of Jesus. And how comforting it is to us all. Here he is truly Emmanuel. God with us, sharing in our anxiety and sorrow and suffering. Hebrews chapter 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And in chapter 5, he says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. Will Jesus make it? 
In verse 42, however, we see the victory of this passage. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Everything is handed into the hands of God. The governing reality is not the will of Jesus. He would like to avoid this, this cup. The governing reality is the will of God. Jesus loses control to his Father. Because he knows that his Father will make the best of this situation. And then as if he regained control over himself again, he stands up and he says, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. We clearly see this movement from being Lord of the situation and being in anguish and then taking control again of the situation. Jesus says, I will drink the cup. I will take the wrath of God upon me. I will take the punishment of sin. The sin of all humanity upon me. I will take the curse of the law. I will take the stain of the sin. I will take the flames of hell for the sake of your will for broken people. This is a decisive moment. Here victory is won. Everything happening after this is just the fulfillment of the one prayer of total surrender to God's will. Your will be done. But within this movement from Lord to struggling to Lord again, we find one of the most shocking aspects of Jesus' suffering. Maybe this aspect of Jesus' suffering is the worst of all. If I would ask you today, what did Jesus suffer? What would your answer be? Maybe one of the following. Jesus died on a cross. The worst death you could die. He had a crown of thorns. He suffered flogging, scorn and hate. I will sing later a hymn that we all know well. O sacred head, once wounded, with grief and pain weighed down. How scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. How pale art thou with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn. 
thy grief and thy compassion were all for sinners' gain. And if you answered this way, you are right. It was bad. It was terrible. But what happens in this passage makes us understand that it's actually the wrong question. Will Jesus make it? It unfolds the horror of suffering, not only on our behalf, but because of us. We read that he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The question is not whether Jesus will make it, but will we make it? At his hour of trial, it's only natural that Jesus would have wanted the emotional and prayerful support of his closest friends. He didn't want to face this alone. But three times it happens that he finds them asleep. Could you men not keep watch with me? For one hour. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Sleeping is a metaphor in the New Testament of moral failure. And although they just fell asleep because they were tired, there's also an indication that this is what happened. This is what went wrong. The Gospel of Matthew sketches clearly how Jesus is rejected by the people. Now his own, his disciples, rejected him. Three times Peter denies Jesus. And in Matthew 26, verse 56, we read, All the disciples deserted him and fled. The real question is not, will Jesus make it? The real question is, will we make it? And the answer is clear. They didn't make it. And we won't either. See, what makes this so absolutely awful? They were called by Jesus. They walked with him, sat at his feet, heard his words, like us today. They heard, for instance, Matthew chapter 10. And even the hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men will also acknowledge him. I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And they do exactly that. In Matthew 20, we read that the mother, mother of Zebedee's sons 
came to Jesus with her sons and knelt down and asked a favor. What is it that you want? She said, well, a grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus then asked, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they answered, we can. And yet they fell asleep and ran away. They heard the words that Jesus spoke to Peter and they agreed with him. Jesus said, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And they ran away. See, they're not thieves. They don't kill people. They just slept. When the cause of God was at the crossroads, they were not with Jesus, not standing on the Lord's side. And this is a story of, of followers of Jesus through the centuries. It's as if we add to the suffering of Jesus Christ. We follow in the footsteps of those people who couldn't discern between God's cause and, and their own. Abram, the father of the believers, lies and laughs because God's promises do not make sense. David, the man after God's heart, falls for the temptation of Bathsheba and even breaks an oath on his deathbed. And Peter, while well, he associates himself with his own people because he was scared even after he understood what the gospel is about. Now we're not committing murder, fraud, rape, or other so-called bad sins. Our sin is that we don't watch and pray. That we're caught asleep when the kingdom of God is at stake. When we have to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ in our workplace, in our families, in the community, we fall asleep. We flee. We walk away and in this way deny Jesus. Jesus dreams about a world where the values of the kingdom of God will be established. What do we do about it? Many times we live the values of the kingdom of this world. We live according to our own rules. Jesus sees a world where there is bread for the hungry. 
And we hold on to our own bread. A painting of the German painter Manfred Hausmann has the title One Has to Watch. There's also a book with the same title. In this painting, Jesus and his disciples are together. And one of the disciples, John, lies sleeping against the chest of Jesus. And while he's sleeping, Jesus looks over the world and he sees the misery in the world. He sees the pain of those who are tortured and filled with anxiety. He sees every person suffering. He sees the animal world. He sees the families that seem to be happy. But he sees the silent cry of those who suffer in their families. People who are utterly sad, lonely, and unhappy. One has to watch the Son of God because somehow the people closest to him fall asleep. This is what makes his suffering so immense, so extremely sad. Indeed, mine, mine was the dead transgression, but yours the deadly pain. I could send you home with this desperate failure that we find ourselves in. But you know, we have to understand the whole Gospel of Matthew to see the greatness of God's grace. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says that Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary and they called their son Emmanuel, God with us. And we see in this passage that we've read today that the Son of God is indeed Emmanuel, God with us, in our sorrow, in our suffering, in our struggles. But that we are not with him. And it's a play of words in the Gospel of Matthew on the Emmanuel theme. God with us, we're not with him. Even after the resurrection of Jesus, we see that the disciples are still full of doubt. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus stands amongst them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And surely... That's how the gospel ends. I am with you to the very end. Tom Wright wrote the following. In any one day, we may be called to kneel in Gethsemane 
besides someone dying in a hospital in Nairobi, someone being tortured for their faith in Burma, someone who has lost a job in New York, someone else waiting anxiously for a doctor's report in Edinburgh. Once we ourselves get over the shock of realizing that our friends, neighbors, and family, and even the people we have come to rely on are themselves vulnerable and need our support. Even if Jesus longed for his friends' support, how much more should we? We should be prepared to give it to the fullest of our ability. And when we ourselves find the ground giving way beneath our feet, as sooner or later we shall, Gethsemane is where to go. That is where we find the Lord of the world, the one to whom now is committed all authority, has been there before us. Yes, what a comfort that we have a Lord that is with us to the very end. But more than that, will we make it? The Gospel of Matthew says, yes, we will make it by God's grace. We didn't make it in the past we were caught asleep in the moment of crisis for God's kingdom. We have fallen to so many temptations. We have even denied Jesus in the midst of struggle. And we heard the, the, the crow of the rooster when God exposed our unfaithfulness. Maybe we've even ran away from God and from his people. But he is now standing in front of these disciples and saying, although you were not with me, I am with you. With my authority, with my power, God gives us a new beginning, a new assurance. Go to the world and be my disciples as you make disciples. Donald Hagner writes, they fail miserably at doing the will of their Lord. And yet despite it all, they remain disciples. Disciples who have that status only through ongoing Forgiveness. Lewis Smedes writes, God changes his memory. What we once did is irrelevant to how he feels about us now. So God gives us a new start, a new beginning to be his disciples. Because, you know, no child of God, John Bunyan says, sins so 
that no child of God sins to that degree as to make himself incapable of forgiveness. So if you failed, if things went wrong in your life, if you did not stand up for God's kingdom, this is the time to receive his forgiveness again and go and be his disciple with the knowledge that he is with you and he will strengthen you. Let's pray together. Father, we confess before you our unfaithfulness. The many times when we had the opportunity to stand up for you and we did not. Thank you that in spite of this you have not rejected us as your disciples but that you give us a new beginning to go in the power and authority of the risen Christ to be your disciple in this world. So strengthen us, Lord, and help us not to sleep when your kingdom is at stake. Help us to follow you even if we have to drink the cup of suffering for your sake. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.